taking command is a story of how God, through a few questing and engrailed master masons operating in America, gave the world the gift of spiritual freedom. March 10, 1776, Boston, 7 a.m., a clear and beautiful day, expansive view of mass exodus seen to the harbor of 9,000 redcoats and 2,000 loyalists, men, women, and children, cut to the harbor where 120 ships are readying for departure as we hear cannon fire from Dorchester Heights by Washington. We see how on board his man of war, the Chatham, giving orders. His staff is there, as well as Percy and Patterson. Every so often, Howe scans the oncoming throng carefully. Master Brush, see to it that the inhabitants give up all linen and woolen goods, anything that might be seized by the rebels. Brush leaves, and another officer speaks to Howe. General Howe, the tide, we must make sail. The tide waits for no man, but I say, hold that line. Perhaps it awaits my E. Pardon me, General? Not yet. Yes, sir. Patterson draws closer. Something is wrong, Patterson. Her intention was strong. Maybe she is not coming. She'll be here. While Patterson and Percy scan the area for Elizabeth, Howe gives more orders. Now he switches gears. Percy, you're in charge. Patterson, you're with me. You men, come along. Good, the horses are there. They head for the horses. Cut to Elizabeth, who is a half a mile away or more, and her driver is looking at a broken axle on her coach. Looks bad, ma'am. What shall I do? Stuart, stay with my coach. I will be back directly with help. It is not safe. Look there, Elizabeth says. Plenty of women and children are about. I will not be long. She sets out to the wharf. We watch her make her determined way through the wild throng of evacuees. Some men jeer at her. She continues. Cut to Howe and his men on horseback, making their way as fast as possible. Howe looks worried, and Patterson has a smile on his face. They stop. Howe rises up from his saddle as he scans the crowd. He spots her and wears a huge smile as he points. There she is. All five dash over. Elizabeth sees them, waves, and smiles with girlish, charismatic, brilliant joy. They then rein up and Howe leaps from his horse. My darling, I knew you would come. He finally hugs her and whispers, you're mine now, all mine. E buries her cheek into his and smiles with joy. Hello, Patterson. Good morning, Elizabeth. We saved you. Thank you, my knights. Where is your, what happened? An axle broke half a mile that way, she points. Livingston, Chrysler, Ross, find the coach and get her trunks. Howe sees other soldiers going by with an empty wagon. You men, go with these officers. Bring the trunks on that wagon to the Chatham. We leave immediately. 
Yes, sir, General. Lady Elizabeth, will you ride with me? Patterson and Hal help her up onto his horse in her long traveling dress. Elizabeth is entirely enthused with palpable joy and mirth. When Hal mounts up in front of her, she says, I knew you would feel my call. Could not miss it, my love. Now hold tight, Patterson. I've got your back, General. We hear E's joyous laughter as they ride. As they approach the ship, Percy and the rest of the staff clap and cheer and break into song as they come up. An officer asks, Now, General? No, not until my lieutenants and their wagon come. <laughs> and if we miss the tide, we will beat down the channel. V very good, sir. Cut to the entire fleet anchored at King's Road and the approaching Chatham. A roaring 21-gun salute is heard, and the full 50 guns of Howe's flagship answer. We see Elizabeth, Howe, and staff on board, with her long hair blowing back. She is all smiles as she stands proudly next to her general, who takes her hand in his. Some might think we are showing the rebels our royal might. That would be wrong. The Chatham salute was for you, my Elizabeth. The camera pans back as he puts his arm around her and she nestles into him. Scene 47, July 12th, 1776, New York and Staten Island. The light brightens and we see tall masts piercing the blue sky, leaning this way and that before the wind. Snowy white canvas gracefully billows, and then we see the very large ensign of St. George flying at the masthead of Admiral Lord Robert Howe's man-of-war flagship the Eagle, followed by an immense fleet of warships and transports. They have arrived to join with General William Howe's 110 heavy ship and other smaller ships. The fleet is comprised of 400 ships and a land force of over 32,000. America has no ships. The camera pans the shore where we see hundreds of townsfolk looking on in awe. And at a further distance, we see some of Washington's officers and regular soldiers also watching with varying looks of admiration, excitement, and fear. General Howe's ships in the harbor at the eastern edge of Staten Island receive the Admiral's fleet with a thunderous general salute that echoes from shore to shore. Camera cut to an intimate scene of Washington's General Knox having tea with his wife Lucy. He is reading dispatch reports from Washington as she takes a sip from her teacup most politely and looks out the window toward the water immediately before the cannon salute and notices the fleet spectacle. Her cup falls from her hand and the content fouls her husband's papers. Knox looks at his papers Lucy, how could you? My dispatches from General Washington. He looks up at her face as she clutches her chest in fear. He turns to the window and sees the fleet, and his eyes widen. And then they hear the cannon salute, which rattles the windows. General Knox turns and yells to a nearby attache in the next room. Horses at once! 
Lucy, my dear, don't worry. I will arrange for your transport. That was just a demonstration of their might. They will not do anything for weeks. Lucy is somewhat relieved, but a look of impending doom soon settles on both of their faces. Scene 48. Staten Island. The camera approaches from a panoramic view of the fleet and now centers on two figures standing on the balcony of the Billup Mansion, the conference house built in 1688. General Howe has his arm around her waist. They have blissed out looks on their faces. E jumps a little as the warships thunder. Howe has a most admiring look as he turns toward E and slowly puts on his gloves. My brother, Lord Admiral Howe, has come. What a mighty display, E says. But not for you this time, my love, he smiles. Once was enough. No, never enough, my love. Oh, you, he's smiling as she playfully nudges him. How back to business and said very proudly, this is the largest naval force ever assembled, suited to the greatness of the occasion. Look at my brother's flagship. How points to it, the eagle the one with the ensign of St. George flying at its masthead. Elizabeth, St. George is England's patron saint. St. George lived in the Middle East and gave his life to further the teachings of God. My fifth regiment of foot in the French Indian War also bore the badge of St. George and the Dragon. Elizabeth has loved his telling of it. She brightens. I do know of St. George, William, my favorite tale always as a child, fighting the dragon, such chivalry. He squeezes his hand, and the look on her face is, you are my St. George. How takes her quickly in his arms and lifts her from the ground. She laughs with delight. He places her down. You never cease to amaze me. Hidden within endless charm is the fearless heart of a warrior. I want to be next to you forever, Elizabeth. You will forgive me, but I must meet with my brother. Yes, yes, of course. But I hope I may count upon the greatest honor of your company at an official dinner tonight with the Admiral. I cannot wait to meet him. Do you know my men say you are my Cleopatra? Not so, Hal waits for her reasoning. Cleopatra's love was divided between power, empire, and Mark Antony. My love is yours and God's. In that order? I believe our heart's order is the same. God first, the fest point in our midst. He places her left hand over her heart and her right above it. How nods with. You never cease to amaze me. Scene 49. In front of the large and busy British camp near the water, General William Howe is at the shore with his retinue of officers as his brother, Lord Admiral Robert Howe's bark, filled with his staff, touches shore. All are dressed to British military perfection as each group advance and the Howe brothers meet in the center. Robert! 
Robert, unusually playful. They shake hands. Rumor has it you have found someone, William. Ah, I see. You wear it. You have found the one. William smiles. Safe journey, I trust. The two Howe brothers confer while their officers mingle. Glad to be ashore, Robert says. We were listing for weeks after we missed you at Halifax. Did you bring your foil? You know I did, Admiral. Usual wager? Robert nods. Shall we? Robert's arm extends outward as he indicates a walk along the vast shoreline. The two brothers walk ahead of their officer's staff, who trail along the shore behind The camera takes in the procession and the military encampment next to them. Soldiers are seen marching at target practice and doing chores. Officers call out and ride up to friends. Close up of the Howe brothers as they walk by junior officers practicing military dressage under the tutelage of Lord Percy. Robert says Percy will whip them into shape. More precision and control than feel, the general replies. The admiral nods as they slow to observe a moment. Not easily acquired, Robert says. What happened on Breed Hill? Ah, the moment, William says. He weighs his hand low and back to let those behind him know this is business. His closest men adhere, and Robert waits with interest. We were in a fierce firefight. Rebel sharpshooters were mounted, and newly loaded rifles, not muskets, were handed to them to efficiently mow down our officers first. My entire front line was either dead or dying. There I was with my servant at the top of the hill, dead to rights, when the shooting stopped. William stops and then Robert as they turn toward each other. I stood there, William said. Remember that old saying, God comes at a time not expected? Robert nods. That happened. I was part of that something else. Robert, it was God our holy royal arch degree actualized. Robert's look is one of not knowing what to think as he looks at his brother with, you're kidding, and can it be? William is smiling lightly and nodding his head. My awareness was expansive and fixed on God. That feeling of God, Robert, there was a sense of ease and the attendant wisdom that this war is America's to win. Those rebels did not run as we expected them to as we advanced. No, they fought fearlessly and with purpose. Robert, you know that feeling when you face the foe and read their entire intention even when they are at a distance in their ship? Yes, Robert says. During that moment, I felt theirs to be the sacred cause, not ours not England's. Funny, it comes to me that during our military exercises at Salisbury Plain, my officers and I were on a break at Stonehenge. Robert is with him. I said something about Wolfe and George Augustus. Robert nods to William in loving remembrance of their older brother. 
and then I mentioned to my officers that they were open vessels for God's purpose and the crowns. And it was at that time that I received a whiff of intuition and feel that maybe the good cause was not England's. Never gave that mind again until after the moment. They resume walking while each considers what was said. And we see their men continue at a distance in a long procession down the shore. Truly, I know not what to say, William. Few men can say such things and be believed. Robert, when I play cards, I know when to fold and when to call, most off. <laughs> William smiles and his eyes shift with thought about his loss to Elizabeth. In all honesty, William says, as far as that moment is concerned, I have complete clarity. Robert, I, we, have been called upon to help, to do our part handsomely, as James Wolfe told us before the heights, to enable God's design of American liberty to take root here and be a shining beacon for the world at large. A long pause ensues as each weighs what has been said. William, there has been a sea change in you, the Admiral says. You were decided upon one battle and then back to England. The idea of being a peace commissioner never took hold. True, Robert, now I am entirely aligned with your position, as strange as that might seem. This will take time for me to ponder, the Admiral says. Have you a plan? Of course. Foils, combat, ignites the imagination. The General and Admiral motion to their aides, and their foils are brought. Capped, William asks. They laugh as they go through preparatory motions. Camera cut to their men, watching, and one officer tries to engage another in a wager. He smiles and shakes his head, no. Camera back on the house. Soon they come to attention before each other. To five, Robert says, on guard. Fencing begins. Pull back. Touch there, one, William says. No, simultaneous action, brother. They resume, and the general soon lands one. One, they continue. William says, stop. It comes to me, a peace conference with Washington and his staff, Robert says, to determine their mind and substance. Exactly, Robert. If the Masonic zeal is with them, we will know. Will we be in attendance, the Admiral asks. Let us resume while I, they spar, Robert lands one. Speedy attack there, Admiral. They resume, soon William lands one again. You're too, General, nicely applied. Hmm. Maybe Patterson and one of yours in attendance, not us, William says. You're gambling, Colonel? None better in discerning Masonic feel than he, Robert. The ministry? Lord Germain, tiresome old maid. Rather, Robert says, they chuckle. Unguard, William says, they fight. Camera cut to their men, watching and jesting. Cut back. Soon William looks with a point. 
three, yes, a touch there, Robert admits, had time to practice these many months. William's look says, no need to practice when I fight you. William says, our letters will contain the usual complaint of not enough reinforcement and supplies since the commencement of our command, not the right time for a general engagement, not the proper tide or wind, and so forth. We will simply drift and await God's intuition, for after all, is not success in the unerring hands of providence? Your line, Robert asks. William smiles. Wolves. You know me, brother, <laughs> Robert smugly smiles. Yes, words, not all the time, but courage, God's best virtue always. Good then, and might I add to the letters, not having the good fortune to enjoy the necessary confidence and support of our superiors? Brilliant, Robert, shall we? They continue with William ever getting the upper hand. Stop, Robert says. You're for battle strategy. I will rout Washington, but not finish him off. Out Fox and pull back. A game of deception. Trick the rebels by doing the unexpected. My soldiers will not die in vain, nor will we wantonly kill when the good cause is not ours. Glory will be the Americans if they are freighted with God's purpose the way I intuit they are. I agree, Robert says. If I am convinced by our first peace commission that their cause is God's, we will safeguard our troops and theirs as best we can. William hand gestures. Shall we? They fight on and Robert lands one. Nicely applied counter. Good footwork for a swabo. Careful there, younger brother, the admiral says. <laughs> William smiles. Four to two? Washington is a farmer and an amateur. He's not been in service for 14 years. Highest rank, lieutenant. They lightly parry. I'm guessing he feels lost in his new role and sentimental for his old life. His moves will be predictable. William playfully thrusts. Received his current rank by default, death of a true genius, a professional by nature, one Joseph Warren. The admiral shakes his head, and his face shows who? I'll have to tell you about him later, admiral. Is Franklin in play? I met with him in London before I left. He said he was ready whenever we perceived God's will affecting liberty's cause through us. Your moment, the old boy is prescient. From what you have intimated, this seems to be the time for Masonic action. The Admiral asks, any problems so far? Clinton, they chuckle in agreement. Ever casting aspersions, Robert says. Been at my heels since Bunker. He is correct, though. We could have finished this action in one battle. I was prepared to do just that until I ran into God and his open vessel, Warren, sent Clinton down to South Carolina for some strenuous action. Our mere duty as of late did not reach his standard. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's back. His maps did not work out. The other generals, Robert asks, they have my back for now. Some think I saw too much blood, and thus I am pursuing a careful and practical course. 
Never, the Admiral says, only God in a moment affect a difference in one such as yourself. Shall we finish the action, Robert? Of course. They resume with a heated mix of actions. William lands a winning touch squared to his brother's chest, which he holds with both competitive emphasis and warrior feel. Five, William says. What a closeout. Thank you, Robert, they shake. Practical and cautious, the Admiral says. Rubbish. As always, I find my younger brother cool and calm in battle, like his commander, Wolf. William now in truth nods, something I also learned earlier from both of my brothers. George Augustus, I miss him. Robert takes a quick breath to maintain. Agreed, William says, I only follow in his footsteps. The Admiral waves in an officer with a fine bottle of scotch for his brother. May your first toast be to Lord George. He would have been proud of you. Scene 50. July, Staten Island Harbor, early evening. The two Howe brothers peer over the rail of Admiral Robert Howe's flagship, the Eagle. Approaching is a craft carrying the royal governor Tryon, his wife and Elizabeth, in pale gold satin. Other officers can be seen on board as they mill about and head into dinner. The camera is on the two brothers. Then we see them take in the craft's operator as he expertly maneuvers a sudden wave. Elizabeth feels all of that as well. Nicely done, the Admiral says, nodding in agreement about the sailor. What is it you find so intriguing about her, William? You will see, Elizabeth is different. Ah, the difference, the Admiral says. General says, she makes the ordinary magnificent. (laughs) Have you lost yourself in her? Found, William says. I'm very interested in meeting the woman you have given your heart to. A first younger brother? William nods and the craft arrives. The ladies are helped aboard. The Admiral and Elizabeth are together. Elizabeth, we meet at last. Lord Howe, charmed, I am sure. She smiles, curtsies, and he bows. You are most welcome, Elizabeth. Admiral, I am certain I have never experienced a boat ride like that one. The Admiral waits for her necks with a smile as Eve tells all with the feel of it. It was the way your sailor brought his craft smoothly about, as though the sea and he were not two distincts but one. The Admiral is very impressed that she felt the moment as well. E wears a most creative smile. Admiral, the only potent wave was our heartfelt one rejoining in his artistry. Hanrell is momentarily taken aback. Ah, very good, Elizabeth. Yes, reuniting at X, our fearless place, where we cannot waver. Correct, Admiral? (laughs) Smiling and slight nod from Robert. True, true on the whole, Elizabeth. 
my brother may have complimented you, but I dare say I now find his words left wanting. Then his look is one of, why did I just say that? The general has broken free from the governor and his wife, and he waves in an attendant officer to usher them into dinner. Lord Howe leaves his remark open for interpretation, the general says. Elizabeth adds, perhaps it should remain closed, lest its conception be deemed as enigmatic as its inference, or at the very least disarming, the admiral says. Elizabeth replies, we will leave all in our depths where our sense of it, she looks at William, and your knowledge of my words that preceded it and now lightly slips her arm through his will make something of it later. They all smile in a delicious fun of their wordplay. The general cannot resist. I cannot wait, Robert. My lady Elizabeth loves verbal inter... Elizabeth heads him off. Play, Admiral, play. The Admiral gives her the nod of, well done. The General looks at Elizabeth. She does indeed. Elizabeth rolls her eyes at the General, and the Admiral pretends not to have notice with, dinner game tonight, General? Clinton versus Lady Elizabeth, I wager. Elizabeth is intrigued as the men smile. Elizabeth mouths to the General, dinner game? General Howe smiles while raising his eyebrows. Shall we dine, General? I believe we already have. Elizabeth? E says with her most brilliant smile on the food within. This will be a memorable night, Robert says. They all smile in anticipation and go in to dinner. Scene 51. We find the dinner game in full swing. Elizabeth sits across from Patterson and next to Clinton, who has already had one too many. The table is on fire with many conversations. Mackenzie and Balfour's attention is on E and Clinton. Mackenzie says she's starting to settle and string together opportunities. Timing, Balfour says, when to go forward and when to drop off. Elizabeth. But General Clinton, have you ever struck for freedom? Pardon me, Elizabeth, Clinton says. I fear I do not follow you. You are such an interesting officer with great zeal. You have told me how you love your profession and strategizing, figuring out your next move on your map. Patterson, seated next to Howe, can be seen nudging him as he pulls him away from the governor and his wife and whispering, you have to hear this, elegant and clever. All of the intuitive wits at the table have become aware of E's play as they direct their attention to her without being obvious. And, Clinton says, I was wondering, and now I see into it, Yes, Elizabeth says. Have you ever changed your plan once you're on the battlefield? Changed my battle plan? Patterson holds back his laughter as the general and the others are equally amused. Patterson whispers to the general. 
She snatched the advantage. I can't take this. Elizabeth continues brilliantly delighted, but at the same time she feels without looking who else has playfully joined in the fun. The admiral whispers to his brother, She knows we are all ears. Of course she does, Hal says. Watch now how she uses our spirit to build momentum. Eve takes another sip of water. Yes, what I mean to say, pardon, General Clinton, I am honing in on my, your concept of freedom. Clinton says, Elizabeth, you must call me Henry. E nods with a smile. Your wine glass has yet to be filled, Elizabeth. Please allow me. E gestures with a small wave of her hand, no, and takes a sip of water. Clinton gestures to a waiter to fill his. Patterson whispers to William, chuckling. And the Admiral wears a most surprising look of, I want in on this. Uh-oh, Patterson says. He's moving in on your lady, General. Back to the Carolinas, Howe says. She's playing the edge, the Admiral adds. Biding her time and mounting her counter. That's my girl. The waiter pours, and Clinton, ever so politely, downs most of his glass, now slightly tipsy. Please, Elizabeth, enlarge upon the subject, if you will. The officers raise eyebrows as their smiles turn with enlarge as they look at their general. Elizabeth holds back an omniscient smile that pervades the space, nonetheless. Yes, thank you, Henry. I see it now, <laughs> suppresses another smile and grows stronger. Your moment of freedom will come when the enemy has not moved as expected and you receive intuition and impression evidence of something, a plan, a design unseen. Then you will throw aside your map. Clinton now with a patronizing tone. Elizabeth, a map is of primordial importance. Balfour whispers to Mackenzie. Clinton snatches the lead. Mackenzie whispers, no, E will soon stop and block him. Elizabeth continues on undaunted. I still say, Henry, with freedom, you will thrust aside your map and ride out the moment by the seat of your britches. Hal whispers. Her drive continues. My what, Clinton says. Elizabeth enunciates slowly. By, with, the feel of it. God with him. She gains a canny speed, Mackenzie says. I, Balfour adds. Uh-oh, she may have crossed the line, Patterson says. Will she write it? Not britches, trousers, Elizabeth. And what has freedom got to do with this? With God, that's a rebel notion. Clinton beginning to raise his ire. E takes a sip of water. Patterson and Howe whisper. That error could decide this. How shakes his head. One moment of inspiration and she's back in. Open advantage her way, I wager. Patterson shakes his head with, I know better. Elizabeth becomes of weight and substance and uses General Howe's quoted words from the veranda moment after the card game as feel passes between them in acknowledgement. 
Henry, she says, let me be perfectly clear. Freedom is feel, freedom in God. If you move aside and submit and attune to him, he will guide your action by enabling you to respond to whatever is felt upon the field without being specifically named there. That, one might say, is creative military genius. The general loves it. Patterson nods to the general with a smile, as does the admiral. Cut to Percy, who shakes his head with, lusciously amazing, and I must have her. Patterson says, astounding, drifted out, then held the line. The admiral nods to Patterson. Hmm, sailor's canniness there. Elizabeth is a ship of the line, Patterson, rounded him with britches and came about. No, a man of war, Admiral, his brother says, felt her way in the fast-flowing tide and sunk him. Here, here is heard from all present. Mackenzie says, the champion, Elizabeth, comes through, and Clinton goes out on his shield, Balfour adds. True on the whole, Percy adds, Elizabeth came on brilliantly. Her heart felt its way. Everyone is very amused with the Clinton trouncing. I say, offer the privateer a commission, Percy yells. Laughter was in the air, but now the prevailing emotion is one of honor and deference. While Clinton has run the gamut, peeved, perplexed, and now at some level he knows that she is correct, we see Percy rise. Three cheers for Elizabeth. General Howe is entirely privy to Percy's ongoing intent. I second that, Patterson says. They all stand and cheer, and Clinton reluctantly stands as well as E beams to her guy. The general raises his glass to her, and then a naval commander leads them in Hail Britannia. Gentlemen, ladies, Admiral Howe says, thank you for gracing the eagle with your presences. Good night. Hear, hear, Admiral Howe. Good night. Everyone walks out together in very good humor, even Clinton with his aides. Percy walks out with Balfour and Mackenzie, and as they pass Clinton, Percy says, Those who are partial in their wit should not launch beyond their depths. Clinton bristles, and the admiral overhears and nods. Elizabeth and the general walk very near to each other, whispering, I cannot resist you, Howe says. I've wanted to kiss you even more ever since you said to Clinton the words, striking out for freedom. No, it was when I cut off your verbal inter. Howe smiles lusciously as he remembers. Can you blame me, E? As I am ever more in love with the amazing you, I find I want to. Percy arrives with overt familiarity and his ever-easy grace, causing them to slightly uncouple. Lord Percy says, So nice to see you again, Elizabeth, General. Howe nods reservedly, and Elizabeth smiles. Sorry, I am not interrupting, Percy says. No, Howe says. No, no, 
The effect of my tete-a-tete with Clinton still binds me, he adds, and the general was, she looks at him inquiringly, in the act of liberating? Yes, freeing the E effect, Percy jumps in again. We must see more of you, Elizabeth. We, Percy, Howe says. They laugh. Percy leaves with a weighted smile that draws Howe's hidden ire, and he makes sense of Percy's mounting indiscretion. Percy took my words from me, E. I believe he loves you, too. You make every man's heart rise. But I am entirely yours, General, she smiles the E smile. The Admiral and Patterson walk up to them separately. Excellent evening, Admiral, General, Elizabeth. Indeed, the Admiral says, I cannot remember a time when I have been more amused. Patterson looks at E. Moxie, Elizabeth. Suspension of fear is a sign. You swept in like a pillar of fire. No, the Admiral says, a marauding Seahawk captain. They laugh. More on point, gentlemen, the general adds. Poor Clinton had a reckoning with God's unmapped design. Patterson smiles with concession. The admiral, smiling and nodding, says, Rather, a military theorist who believes in a deeply devised plan met with an adherent of providential mind at play. Elizabeth tries to stop a huge smile as Howe and Patterson nod and their eyes widen and shine with most unusual for you, Admiral, and well stated. The general looks and smiles at E, thrilling her heart. Yes, you played him, Elizabeth, with precision and superior sense. The admiral understates with a smile. Perhaps he now doubts his mind. Not Clinton. Not for long, the general adds. Luckily for him, Patterson says, he never remembers a thing after drinking. That's why he rarely partakes. Quite, the general says. It's a small step for Clinton from penetration to dissipation. The men share a laugh. That's why he prefers his interminable letter writing in the evening. And the squeak of his violin. <laughs> More laughter. I hear, Elizabeth says, his musical play is quite good. Hmm, that might be where his freedom lies. Elizabeth smiles as she ponders her notion. Perhaps we should arrange a musical evening to discover if true ease and imagination haunts his play. No, rather drop him, Hal says, with the next traveling troop, so we can be done with tiresome Clinton. Yes, indeed, Patterson adds. The men smile and nod in agreement. General, may I take you and Elizabeth in my craft? No, thank you, Patterson. We will be staying here for a while. The general smiles at Elizabeth and then looks at his brother. Good night, General Elizabeth, Patterson says, and tips his hat to her, as do all the officers as they walk by. Elizabeth, the Admiral says, that was walking a very thin plank with Clinton. He smiles, showing his delight through his returning layers of ancient peerage as they watch the crafts and launches make their way back 
toward the shore. E giggles. <laughs> I had to make the most of the seating arrangement, Admiral. He chuckles, shaking his head and then nodding. You knew how far your reach should go, Elizabeth. That which God grants all methods fail to teach. The Admiral looks with brother. You surpass yourself as well. Perhaps I only mirror, the general says, the brilliance I receive as he smiles and looks at E. Elizabeth and I might stay aboard tonight, Robert, so you and I can discuss the peace conference on the morrow early. Excellent idea, William. Good night, Elizabeth. Your company has given me immense pleasure. Thank you, Admiral. A night few will forget the admiral adds, especially the map reader. He chuckles. Stuart, see to the General Howe and Lady Elizabeth's cabin? Yes, sir. The admiral leaves, chuckling, and the general and Elizabeth stand watching the boats fade away. It is very quiet. One is struck by the general's male presence that grows as Elizabeth's ardent femininity mists through and around him. He draws her to him. They kiss passionately a long, long time, waves lapping in the silence. Now she turns and his arms wrap around her as they are of the moment in fullness. They are home. Nothing else is needed. After a while, she turns, and as their lips touch, he lifts her from the ground, and then she slides against him on the way down. He gathers her into his arms and carries her to their cabin, and we see his boot close the door.